Hey you, thanks for being a valued listener of Remedial Herstory. Please consider subscribing so we can keep bringing you content. I wanted to let you know about a few things we offer beyond the podcast. If you love what we're talking about here, then you are going to love the Remedial Herstory Master's Classes we have linked in the show notes and on our website. We have three courses, one on pedagogy, U.S. history, and world history, and of course, talking about women in all of those contexts. We also have an annual Summer Educators Retreat, which is in person. Details about that are on our website. Our website is also packed with learning materials, including articles for every era of U.S. and world history that we built with a collaboration of over 20 historians. We also have lesson plans for elementary, middle, and high school that involve analysis of primary source material and get students doing history. We also have a video series that goes along with that. All of this is only possible because of the generous contributions from our patrons. You can also support Remedial Herstory at remedialherstory.com giving or by becoming a monthly patron at patreon.com slash remedialherstory. Thanks for helping us make herstory. Hey, Kelsey. Hey, Brooke. Want to tell them what's happening in today's episode? Today, you and I are going to be talking about teaching with images. Okay. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Remedial Her Story, the other 50%, the podcast that explores what happened to the women in history class. Now, here's your host, Kelsey Brooke Eckert, and her partner in crime, Brooke Neva Sullivan. Okay, Brooke. I'm really excited about this topic because this is teaching with images is the easiest way to get women's history into your curriculum. So a lot of people go on our website and they see all these really cool inquiries that we have, but they're like, I don't know enough about this topic to feel comfortable teaching it yet. And they feel like I have to do all this research and yada, yada. Just so you know, we have put articles up now. So you can actually go read a quick article that's at the ninth grade reading level <laughs> and just fly through it. So you have have the context to how these different topics fit in. But say that that's your reality and you're not interested in, you know, reading a short 10-minute article. Fine. <laughs> I want to give you an alternate way that you can really easily incorporate women's history into your curriculum. And that is teaching with images. So from a pedagogic standpoint, so strategies for teaching, yeah, yeah. visuals are so powerful for people. Oh, my gosh. Especially the me's of the world who just genuinely enjoy media and media consumption of all forms. It's like art, movies, you know, any any kind of visual that you can bring into the classroom always got me more excited. Yeah. And it was actually really interesting. Yesterday in class, I had a student. Um, I was quizzing them on a concept I had I had taught them in class. It was an informal sort of yeah. questioning in class. And she could not remember the thing, but she was like, wasn't it, wasn't it kind of like a tiered visual that you provided us? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, actually. And I flipped back to the slide where I had talked about this concept. And sure enough, the visual that I had shown was this tiered thing. So she couldn't, she couldn't remember what the the answer to the question I was asking, but like she could remember that slide, that visual yep. that I had had on the, on the screen. And you know, we as a group, since this was a pedagogy class, we were talking about the significance of that experience. And, you know, there are visual learners out there who like, oh, really my gosh, I can remember like learning the measurement system, like how many cups are in a quart, how many quarts are in a pint. And, like, yeah. 
Anyways, the visual that comes to my mind every time I'm working that out is like a big G and then yeah. three small or four small Qs and then three small this. It's like pint, quart, yeah. cup, yeah. <laughs> gallon. I'm like, oh, thank you. And they all fit inside of each other in different ways and how many numbers. And it's like the visual stays with me. Yeah. It's not so much that I know how to convert them via math. <laughs> right. It's that I know what the visual image is. So I'm like, yeah, no, a gallon has four quarts. Yeah. <laughs> Right, right, exactly. So we remember stuff visually. And I, you know, if, if you're a history teacher and you like to pontificate with your words in the front of the classroom, you're only really speaking to auditory learners. Yeah. And like I can remember stories are very powerful. People remember stories and, you know, history is a story, right? It's a oh, story. Sure. Of, and of, like hence why people make so many movies about historical moments. It's right. very like, oh. You know what we should make a movie about? D-Day. Yeah. Great. Here we go. Here we go. Let's make sure it's visual. And like, you know, Armageddon. Yeah. Not a real moment, but very (laughs) visual. Right. It's like, take care of your planet. Here's the things. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I I just want people to remember the power of those visuals. And I, you know, I always tell my students, you should never, you know, have an activity that you're doing with students that doesn't have some sort of visual on the screen to like guide them or directions on the board or some sort of some, some sort of, you know, thing to cue them in. And for people with like, you know, processing, like slow processing. Like I, I can't tell you how many times in I was a ballerina growing up, I'd have my dance instructor give an oral instruction and then she'd be like, okay, everybody go. And the whole room is moving. And I'm just like, wait, what was the direction again? Like I, oh, I kind of missed that. Anytime I played sports, like soccer, if they were like, okay, two to the front, four to this, I'm like, someone else go first. And I would always get to the back of the line because I'm such a visual learner. I would be like, wait for someone else to do it. And then I'd just replicate it. It's yeah. like, okay, I got it. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I hated going first. So like, Brooke, you go first. I'm like, mm, never. <laughs> yeah. I need to see what someone else is doing. Yeah. I need to see. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. I'm going to owe laps for yeah. not listening. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I know. It's not that you're not listening. It's like, I am having this like thing. So I think there are a lot of like, you and I are, <laughs> we are those students. So yeah. those visuals are really powerful for us. But then I think ever since men have loved women, they have depicted women. Well, that's great. There's right? a lot of imagery. <laughs> yeah. I mean, think about like some of the the early, you know, cave paintings. We've got the the Waldorf Venus figurines. Oh, yeah. You've got all these like really like I mean, these are some of the oldest artifacts art. yeah. and art that we have to describe humanity and in almost all of them women's bodies with all of their voluptuous curves and <laughs> usually a lot of boobs there's just like a lot so of boobs. many boobs <laughs> um in india there's really cool visuals of like women giving birth because you know like and, and these like sculptures of like very graphic <laughs> you know things but it's like these this you know this was a really important part of human life and human existence and so they were depicting those things so you know just from like you know we talk a lot about how there's this like lack of sources about women and by women and whatever but not when it comes to visuals right so there's actually an abundance of sources that show show women and so if you're looking to textual sources yeah like i i would agree that there's just fewer by and about women but not in the visual aspect. Yeah. And those are really powerful to students. Do you think it's hard for teachers to find accurate depictions? Like um, if they're looking for a visual context, 
I feel like you could go on the internet and be like, okay, I'm looking for this moment mm. with a woman. Right, right, right. And then it's like, uh, is that yeah. accurately from that time? I think one of the things that I've experienced in talking to educators is they just don't know, like in any form of research, it's about your search terms. So yeah. if you're not finding stuff, it's because you don't have the right search terms. You know, like if you're looking for a sculpture of a woman from the ancient past and those are your search terms you're probably like going to get a lot you're going to get a lot of random stuff but if you searched waldorf figurine it's going to be like to the point it's going to be accurate it's going to come from like the you know british museum or something like that and you're gonna go okay that's that's a reliable source i think also you know as historians we're trying to teach people to work with their primary sources to understand you know just sort of like media literacy today We want people to understand who the source of that historic information was. Yeah. And it's sometimes with older sources, it's really hard to know. And and but even there's a lot of like famous like images from more recently that people have used an image that is not from that event or that. Yeah. And they've used it for a different purpose. And it's like uh, to convey something else. And so it's always like that question for I think it's literacy understanding, but like is this accurate? Should I pull this in? Where is this from? And maybe make sure your sources are accurate there too. Yeah. I mean, for uh, the British Museum, Library of London, like those would be really great places for world history to look for images. The Library of Congress in for U.S. history. And even actually they have a whole section now on world history too. Um, But those would be really great places to look to find sources that you know are actually of the thing that you're looking for. But I, I do think that people, that they're, you know, you do need to learn your women's history. Yeah. You do need to look up, like, the names of specific women from that time in order to find the right pictures, uh, pictures that are actually of those people. So, um, for example, I have a book that I just finished about this woman from New Hampshire. And um, the author of the book who's, you know, you know she's a historian because she spends way too much time with caveats being like the visuals that are in this book are not actually of this woman they're from wood carvings of other women but they're similar (laughs) enough to her circumstances and time that i put them in here just to have a visual of her of Of you know to to go with it so there are no surviving images of this person from the colonial period so you know you get what you get you get what you get and um and that's nice because then i know that i can't actually use that visual to represent this person. But you could say this visual would be similar to what you would find if you could find a visual of her. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. Still a visual and it's close and it leaves an impression. Yeah. So I was in a museum in Philadelphia, the American Revolution Museum uh, in December. It's very cool. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think you're being sarcastic. <laughs> I am, but I love that you go to museums on your vacation. <laughs> Do you, girl? So I'll be on a beach with a cocktail. I was really excited because when I stood in the room, I saw representation. I saw like indigenous people. I saw people, you know, African-American people and, you know, enslaved people from the revolutionary period. And then I saw even within those, those various groups, I saw women. And then, of course, I saw my girl, Mercy Otis Warren, up on the wall and I just I Did you fan out? She was the she was oh and God. for those that don't know the context, Mercy O. Warren was the first women's history <clears throat> lesson plan that I ever made and I had it published by the History Channel. So it was really exciting, you know, like it was yeah. re- I, when I walked in and I saw Mercy, I was like, this is so cool. So I went over and sure enough, they had just slapped her picture on the wall and nothing 
about her. They tied nothing about her in the narrative, in the text that was on the wall. And so I want Did you like walk up to the museum curator and like, can you fix this? Yeah, that's tokenism (laughs) right there. Yeah. Like, here's your token woman. Anyway, we're continuing with the entirely male narrative along the wall. And the timeline is talking about all these events. Surprised you didn't start a picket line. Oh my gosh. You're right. I was, yeah. Do you want to go back? (laughs) A little bit. (laughs) I was, I was pretty bummed. So to, to add to this, it's not just putting pictures of women in your classroom space or in your PowerPoint. Yeah, it's explaining who they are and why it's, they exist. And connecting them to the to to the, the narrative. narrative. Yeah. You know, you gotta you gotta like bring them into the story of the American Revolution. And and you know, my opinion is you can't separate Mercy Otis Warren from the narrative of the revolution. Yeah. Um she's the first woman, you know, making claims about independence first person using the word independence. Yeah. So like you have to And she challenged the old boys club a yeah. lot. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, she wrote a criticism of the Constitution because it was like had too strong a federal government. Like, you you have to include her in there. I think what we want to do when we're talking about adding images is we want to get there's a woman named Nell Noddings who use her. The title of one of her articles is Beyond Add Women and Stir. Right. Don't just like throw a bunch of women in there. You need to be like thoughtfully including them into conversations about the same historical understandings that you're trying to teach in your class. Yeah, we've talked about this, not making women the pop-up moment, but including them in the narrative. Yeah. So I'm going to link in the show notes um, a couple of articles by Jessica B. Shocker. She's actually, speaking of Philly, she's at Temple University. Mm -hmm. Sorry, she's at Penn State. And her colleague, um, Christine Weishner, is at Temple University. And um, these two uh, Pennsylvania ladies (laughs) write a lot about strategies for not only teaching with images just as like a pedagogic approach which you could apply to any image if it mm-hmm. has women in it or not um, but they also write a lot about specific strategies for navigating women's history and they have um, Shocker has one article called Teaching um, with Images and then the two of them co-wrote an article called Representing African American Women in U.S. History Textbooks and analyzing the way that those women are portrayed awesome. in in the texts. Um, and I you know I think this is a vehicle not just for women's history but like any inclusive history to actually like point out the women in the pictures that we're seeing. Yeah. And there's a million strategies for doing that. And I think one of the things I would encourage people to do with any visual is you put it in front of students and ask them, where are women in this picture? I don't even know that you would. I had a teacher do this one time and it was an English class. So I'll caveat this, but would put images up and then they would ask, what do you see? Yeah. What What do do you see? see in this photo? And then, it was very quickly because we had talked a lot in previous classes or it would come up like there was no women present. Yeah. Someone would always, well, there's no women. Right. Yeah. What do you think they were doing? Right. And then we go wh- into this great why topic. Do you think, why do you think that artist didn't include, include them? Yeah. Or like, what do you think is missing from not including women in this moment? Or, or someone would be like, there's no kids. It's like, you're right. Yeah. How do you think children's experiences were through this moment? Right. And so it was really powerful to let us breadcrumb into it that way. Yeah. So what you're describing is one of the strategies Shocker talks about where you could do it, just look at the picture and write down all the things that you see, objects, people, um, symbols, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, You could also have them do that by 
you know, sort of blocking off like one corner of the picture yeah. and really focus in on that. Because a lot of times when you do this with students, they tend to just write down the few like big things that are in the picture and mm-hmm. they don't get deeper with it. And so, so those like much more important understandings about the visual get lost. Um, and they actually, um, a lot of visuals promote stereotypes and by not sort of digging deeper in it you don't you don't actually get beyond those stereotypes exactly so um so chunking it out like that is a really a really great way to do it um and then i actually i'll start asking follow-up questions if students don't get to what you just said happens to you right like where are women where are black people um one of my favorite visuals to teach with in class is one that every teacher uses and it's the big painting of american progress some people call it like manifest destiny that's what i was just trying to google what it was yeah and it it is a really amazing picture one because the main focus is a woman, right? It's yep. this goddess representing manifest destiny, American progress, moving westward from the east, um, yep. bringing with her. I mean, she's literally stringing along with her a telegraph line. There's so much in that image that you can you can block off, like square it off, and say, okay, what's happening here? Yep. What's happening here? What's ha- before you even show the woman? But, yeah. Like that image, the artist tried to convey so much. Yes. And it's a, I mean, like, if you just say, what is this visual showing? Kids look at the girl and they say, okay, like progress is moving. You know, this goddess but is But doesn't she have one exposed breast too? Uh, it's, yeah, it's definitely like low. Yeah. She's, she's in this like, you know, kind of Greco-Roman yeah. garb. And um, what's just so interesting about that is it's actually promoting racism, sexism. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that if you don't dig deeper in it, it's actually like you're missing a lot. You know, if you get this visual in front of you, look for women. There are only a couple. So it's it's the the main person, (laughs) um, Manifest Destiny. And then you've got a few indigenous women in the bottom corner. The indigenous woman has both of her breasts exposed. There's another indigenous woman like sitting down, being dragged on a cart. There are some like wagon trains where you can assume women of European descent are in and they are, but you don't, they're not big enough to see that. Yeah. And then every other person is male. Yep. Um, there's some indigenous but people. But none of them have their frontal exposed. No, no, not a single man <laughs> does. Just there's the native no woman to show. Shown. There's no male nipple, no body shown of men. Yeah. Just to, for context. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and and that's a really important point, too. And I think the reason that, like, the native woman's breasts are exposed tells you a lot about their, their interpretation of native womanhood and, yep. I, like, you know, like, all the stereotypes and racism that goes with that. There are farmers in the front of the painting and they are working the land. And so one of the things I ask my students is where, where are the African Americans? Where are the enslaved people? This painting is done in 18, um, 75. If you see it in person, it's an enormous painting. It's not this tiny little thing. Yeah. The painting's from 1875. So it's post civil war, but it's depicting a time. I mean, people were enslaved at that time period. Yeah. In America, just so you know. (laughs) Yeah. And, like, 
the, but but the other thing that's ridiculous is even if they don't show, you know, enslaved people working the land or whatever, um, or even African American people working the land. One is they were even after slavery working on sharecropping farms yeah. and whatever. They some of them owned their own land and they were working it. Right? Is the complete erasure of. African-Americans from the visual, right? So that just creates this like white supremacy idealized thing, you know, that just is so fascinating. So, you know, having students really like dig into that visual, even though it's, I I think like probably because it is racist and sexist um, and, and promoting these ideals of American progress and exceptionalism, I think that is a good reason to look at it and like yeah. see what that actually looks like in practice and and um and and teach students about about that. And then, you know, and the fact that there like really are no white women even shown in it, right? And and yet we know in smaller numbers white women did move west and and, and were survived. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they actually survived more than their male yeah. um, that went with them. So it's like, okay, yeah. Yes. Let's don't highlight them. That okay. Cool. <laughs> yeah. But there's, I mean, there's a million different strategies for analyzing these pictures. But I think <laughs> if I could like break it down to one thing, is just look for the groups that feel like they're absent from historical yeah. conversations. And everyone uses that visual in U.S. history class. Everyone yep. has seen it. You know, even even images like the Rosie the Riveter image. Oh gosh, yeah, you can pull up all of the um, media um, during World War One, trying to get you know more different things for different. It's like all the propaganda that was around that, yeah. and you can pull up both from Germany and from the United States at the same time. It's yeah. like what were they seeing versus what we were seeing, and and what sides of the war they were on. Yeah, right. really interesting. There's so much imagery. Like yeah. the the more recent you get, and then. I think the tough thing that teachers must run into too, Kelsey, and maybe you have some thoughts here, is picking and choosing what is going to be best in the classroom mm. to convey or get to the discussion that you're trying to. Yeah, I think that is always <laughs> that's always the tricky part. And I think you know we think we study history to understand our present, right? And yeah. so that needs to be the guiding principle. Yeah, um, I write a, a little bit in my book about how. I love World War II history. It's like my favorite. And I can I can tell you so much about World War II, but in a classroom setting, you don't have all the time in the world to do that. And so what, you know, I have to ask myself, despite how much I know about World War II. How long should we spend on it? What is the most important thing to yeah. help students understand our time right now and what this means right now? And I think more importantly, how the war wraps up is, and, and what that means for our time in the post-World yep. War II period. And that's really sad because I actually know way too much about how battles were fought and different machinery and, you know, weapons yeah. that were used. You can go and, deep. And you have to cut that stuff. Yeah. But I think for the visuals, you know, like we have this absence, this te- t- tendency to have women left out. So... Images are just such an easy way to do that. And even if you already have a PowerPoint made, and you're like, I don't want to spend time finding more pictures of women to add in, da, 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 da. That's fine. Keep the visuals that you currently have and just ask where women are in yeah. those things, right? So, like, you don't have to alter. Yeah. But even just, like, putting that question in, like, a poster board above <laughs> above your whiteboard. Yeah. Where were the women? Right. 
And as long as that question is always being asked in your classroom, you're doing your job. Like you're doing the work that we're asking of you of like be inclusive. Yeah. Right. And I think, I mean, I think that's just such an easy first step to start to change it. And I, I honestly think if you start asking that question more, you'll start finding those things. Oh, yeah, right? easily. Yeah. So I'm going to put these articles in the show notes for people because Shocker in particular um, does a really good job giving you even more strategies yeah. that you can use. And and for, you know, practicing educators, these are just like really great ways to look different, look at images differently than we traditionally do. Awesome. And and, uh, and they help students. Like they're there because her research has shown that they really support students in, in their learning, which that's the end goal, right? Yeah. And their recall ability. It's like tons of stuff. So yeah. that's great. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Kels. Thanks, Brooke. Have a good time. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Remedial Her Story, the other 50%. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts to bring more voices to the conversation. We really appreciate that effort. Until next time.